Chapter thirty six of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two. By Francois Rene de Chateaubriand, chapter thirty six. London from April till September, eighteen twenty two. Return to Europe, escape from shipwreck on my return from the wilds to philadelphia having hastily noted down on the way like la fontaine's old man the observations i have just related i was disappointed by not finding there the remittances which i expected this was the beginning of the pecuniary embarrassments in which i have ever since been plunged fortune and i began to quarrel as soon as we caught sight of each other herodotus gives an account of certain indian ants which collected together heaps of gold according to athenaeus the sun gave hercules a golden ship in which to reach the island of erythia the retreat of the hesperides although an ant i have not the honour of belonging to the great indian family and although a sailor i never crossed the water in any other vessel than one made of pine it was one of this kind which brought me back from america to europe the captain gave me my passage on credit on the tenth of december seventeen ninety one i embarked with several of my fellow-countrymen who were returning like myself to france from various motives the ship was bound for havre a westerly gale caught us at the mouth of the delaware and carried us across the atlantic in seventeen days often scudding under bare poles it was with great difficulty that the ship could be brought to the sun never once shone on us the vessel steering by a dead reckoning was swept along before the surge i crossed the ocean in the midst of shadows never did it appear to me so sad i myself was even more sad i had been deceived and disappointed in my first outset in life palaces are not built on the seas says the persian poet ferid edin i felt an indescribable weight at my heart as of the approach of some great misfortune gazing over the waves i tried to read my destiny in them or wrote more annoyed by the motion they caused than fearful of their threats instead of diminishing as we neared europe the tempest increased in force but it blew in an equal continuous gale and from the uniformity of its rage resulted a sort of angry calm in the pale sky and leaden sea the captain not having been able to sound became uneasy he went up into the shrouds and looked through his glass at the different points of the horizon a lookout was stationed on the bowsprit and another on the main-top mast cross-trees the sea became short and the colour of the water changed signs of land but of what land the breton sailors have a proverb celui qui voit belle île voit son île celui qui voit gloire voit sa joie celui qui voit ouesson voit son son i had spent two nights walking on deck amidst the hissing of the waves in the darkness the whistling of the wind in the rigging and the constant dashing of the sea over the deck all around us was one wild tumult of waters at the beginning of the third night wearied with the shocks and motion of the vessel i retired to bed the weather was dreadful my hammock creaked and swung with the dash of the sea which continually broke over the ship seeming as if it would shake her very planks asunder i heard coils of cordage falling on all parts of the deck and felt the peculiar motion experienced when a ship goes about the hatchway over the ladder between decks was open and a voice as of some one in fear called to the captain this voice heard through the darkness and the roar of the tempest had something terrible in its sound i listened and thought i heard the sailors discussing the bearing of a coast i threw myself out of my hammock at that moment a wave burst into the quarter-deck and inundated the captain's cabin tables beds chests furniture and arms rolled over pell-mell and i gained the deck half drowned on emerging from the hatchway a sublime spectacle was presented to my eyes 
the vessel had tried to put about but not having been able to succeed had been driven to leeward the fitful light of the moon now emerging from a mass of clouds then instantly hidden again showed on either side of us through a yellow base lines of coast bristling with rocks the sea threw up waves like mountains in the canal in which we lay engulfed sometimes their summits foamed and glittered with sparks of fire at others presented an oily vitreous surface marbled with black copper-coloured or greenish spots according to the colour of the bottom which they lashed for a few moments the noise of the abyss of waters and of the wind were mingled in one confusion of sound but a moment after we could distinguish the flow of the currents the hissing noise on the reefs and the roar of the distant surge from the hold of the vessel issued sounds which made the hearts of the stoutest sailors quake the ship's prow met the thick mass of waves with a fearful crash and torrents of water rushed foaming from the helm as from the opening of a sluice amidst this tumult nothing was so alarming as a certain dull murmuring sound like a vase filling lighted by a cresset and kept down by leads books of navigation charts and ship's courses were spread out on a hen-coop the gale had extinguished the binnacle lamp every one had a different opinion about the land in sight we had entered the channel without perceiving it the ship reeling with every wave was drifting between the isles of guernsey and alderney shipwreck appeared inevitable and the passengers held fast what they most prized to save it with themselves there were some french sailors among the crew one of them in default of a chaplain raised that hymn to notre dame de bon secours which had been the earliest lesson of my childhood i now repeated it in sight of the coast of brittany almost under the eyes of my mother the protestant american sailors joined heartily in the chant of their catholic french comrades danger teaches men their weakness and unites their prayers passengers and crew all were crowded together on deck some clinging to the rigging some to the side some to the capstern some to the bills of the anchors to prevent themselves from being swept away by the surge or thrown into the sea by the heaving of the vessel the captain cried a hatchet a hatchet to cut away the masts and the rudder the tiller having been abandoned swung hither and thither with a harsh grating sound one attempt might yet be made to save us the lead showed only four fathoms of water on a bank of sand crossing the current it was possible that the surge might lift us over this bank and float us in deep water but who would venture to seize the helm and take the safety of the whole crew into his own hands one false turn of the helm and we were lost one of those men who spring from events the spontaneous offspring of peril came forward a new york sailor took the deserted post of the steersman i still see him in his shirt and canvas trousers with his bare feet and flying wet hair holding the tiller in his strong grasp while with his head turned he watched the approach of the wave which was to save or destroy us the mountain of water embracing the whole of the channel in which we lay came rolling along in one unbroken mass like one sea invading another large white birds with their calm flight preceded it like birds of death the vessel struck and heeled not a word was spoken but every face was blanched the wave reached us at the very moment it touched the vessel our helmsman gave the turn to the rudder the ship which was just ready to fall over on her side presented her stern and the very wave which seemed about to engulf lifted and carried us on its crest soundings were taken and showed seventeen fathoms a loud huzzah burst from all lips we added the cry vive le roi heaven heard it not for louis the sixteenth it only profited ourselves though now disengaged from the two islands we were not out of danger we could not succeed in turning the point of the northern coast at length the retiring tide carried us with it and we doubled cap de la Argue. I had experienced no terror during this near approach to shipwreck, and felt no joy at having been saved. It is far better to yield up life while one is young, than to be forced to yield it by time. The next day we reached Havre. The whole population crowded to see us. 
our topmasts were broken our boats carried away our poop cut down and we shipped water at every pitch of the vessel i landed on the jetty on the second of january seventeen ninety two i again trod my native soil once more destined to vanish before my gaze i brought with me not any eskimo from the polar regions but two savages of an unknown race chactas and atala End of chapter 36